Hey, man. Hey, do you remember? <laughs> do you remember a week ago when we did shrooms in the park and I had a bad trip? Mm, sure did. Am I still having that trip? <laughs> <laughs> Is that just life now? Um, welcome to Frank and Eric, the uh, self help comedy podcast. Yes. Um, we are here to, I don't know, uh, provide the college level radio entertainment um, for you. Um, uh, we, you know, we come here to try to provide humor. Yeah. Uh, positivity. Yes. Insight, I guess, into things. I don't know. Cultural analysis. <laughs> I don't know if I would go that far. <laughs> well, we, we review things. Sure. That's, that's yeah. the point, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cultural insights. Um, you know, it's kind of, it dawns on me now. I was sort of mocking goop as like the point of view of a rich white lady, but like, that's exactly what we're doing. I mean, yeah. like Frank and Eric is the point of view of like two comfortable white guys. Yeah. We're a shittier goop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're goop times two. Frank and Eric, a shitty goop. <laughs> um, so it is June, no, May 31st, 2020. Uh huh. The worst year we could uh, be having. It's pretty bad uh we're here in the former united states of america yeah uh <laughs> the former new york city um so it's been the fourth day of protests last yep. night yep um it's sunday right now um friday night i typically work late on friday nights i was sitting at my computer waiting for the pages to ship uh at home and i heard because i knew there was protests happening Maybe what a, a mile away at Barclays? Maybe a mile from me? Yeah, Barclays is the large stadium that the Brooklyn Nets play at. It, where in simpler times, I was forced to go see the Postal Service. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and that was the the worst that you had that week. Yeah, that was the that was the worst thing I've ever seen happen at the Barclays Center. <laughs> um, and so I knew there were protests happening at six p.m. It is like maybe nine o'clock when I'm still working at my on my desk, and I hear a crowd coming through. I hear chanting. I hear like no justice, no peace. Yep. Um, so I go outside my apartment, which is on Lafayette Avenue, and there's a Starbucks across the street and like a supermarket, and there's just a river of people pouring through the street, uh, chanting. And because there's a lot of local businesses, there's a lot of like garbage on the streets mm -hmm. for whatever reason, New York never decided to put the garbage in the back of the apartments, like the way Chicago or yeah. San Francisco does. We well, we garbage. never, it's because they never built alleys here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Why? They just didn't think ahead. Yeah. So Sh our, Chicago had the luxury of being burned to the ground so they could, yeah, it. like, you know what? Um, <laughs> so, uh, we have all of our garbage on our streets at all times. Um, that's one of the first things you will notice if you visit New York city. Yes. Um, and so people are just taking these huge bags of garbage and throwing them in the streets and, uh, throwing any kind of debris. Uh, there was some furniture, a skiff, like a wooden plank. Ooh, like a, a pallet, a pallet. Yes. Yes. Um, all, all this garbage blocking the streets, um, felt very aggressive, um, yeah, I'm not saying that in, like, in a bad way or a critical way, but it's felt like very intense, very like, um, for sure, yeah. uh, volatile feeling. And then the, the cops were coming, leading them from behind, uh, driving down the street. And so now the cops are blocked by all this garbage and debris. And now it's just a standoff. And I see this like 50 year old 
heavyset cop get out of his car. The first thing he does is like whip out his baton. Yep. And he's just full of rage because he has to like throw all this garbage out of the street now. And these guys are just fucking furious. And so the protest- I gotta carry garbage now. <laughs> the protesters are blocking the street with their bodies and blocking cop cars with their bodies. And so they basically like block off the cops in the intersection. Um, and it's just a scheme of chicken at this point. Yeah. And I'm standing literally in front of my apartment. I just walk out the door. It's all that's happening right in front of my apartment. Yeah. And it's, my heart is racing because like watching this all play out. Yeah. It's super intense. And so I'm watching for maybe like a half an hour. There's, you know, people are throwing bottles at the cops. Cops are like trying to push back on the, on the protesters Protesters eventually go down Lafayette Avenue. And, um, and then, you know, I go back inside and I decided to walk around a little bit more, like maybe 15 minutes later. And I see a fire truck, like zoom down a one way street, the wrong way, yeah. which was fucking terrifying. Um, and then the cops form another blockade on the next Avenue. Um, yeah. And that was basically the rest of the night, like chanting, protesting, um, police blockades, um, just to give you my firsthand experience, uh, on what is happening here in New York. Yeah. Um, it's very intense, super intense. Yeah. Uh, that night we, we sort of live at opposite ends of the same neighborhood. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, I, I was watching from our balcony, the, the, uh, police marching like in formation down the street, like, like stormtroopers, yeah. like with their shields and helmets on it's a nice police state vibe. <clears throat> yeah. Um, um, and, uh, and then I, <sighs> I went downstairs, uh, cause I had to walk my dog and, and we were out and I was, you know, I was like, let's see what's going on. Yeah. Um, and, uh, the protesters were moving through and, uh, the the cops were there and like there's just this energy like yeah uh, you know i think something that i've probably made pretty clear on this podcast is that i love chaos <laughs> like like uh, i genuinely i genuinely want everyone to be okay and to get along and to be cool yes. and not fuck with each other and yes. like live and let live just let leave, let people live the way they want to live everything that being said there is a sliver of my personality that when I see somebody sucker punch somebody in a bar or a street fight or something, I'm like, yeah, get him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like there is a part of my brain that roots for chaos in a way that like, I'm sure it's just like aggro male bullshit yeah, or yeah, something. Yeah. It's white male rage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, like, like it, it's, it's the, it's like the same energy that, that like when there's a, a fight in the high school parking lot that has you screaming yeah. like, fuck them up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like that's still there for me. Yeah. And I don't like feeling that activated in the real world. Mm-hmm. I I'll watch a boxing match, you know, yeah. I'll watch like a UFC event. Yeah. That's fine. That tickles that part of my brain. Yeah. But I don't want to go out when I'm walking my dog. It's real life. And it's real life. Yeah. And, uh, and I could see, these dudes trying to psych themselves up to square off with the cops. And I could see the cops kind of like reflecting that same energy. Like, are you going to do it? Are you going to do it? And, and then somebody was lighting off firecrackers and I just about shit my pants (laughs) and people, every, everybody started screaming and running. And I was like, Holy fuck, is somebody shooting? You know? Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, it was, it was just like a really scary situation. And that was just Friday. Uh, Yeah. 
the the van that they lit on fire was two blocks away from my apartment. Yep. So I was looking out our window here in the living room and like seeing the like column of smoke going up. And I was like, holy fuck. What? Yeah. I've never, so I also live very close to a police precinct. Mm -hmm. There's one on the corner of Classen in Lafayette. Mm -hmm. And so I rode my bike yesterday morning around that corner and there was like five or six totally destroyed cop cars. Shit. Like a couple of them burned out. Most of them just destroyed and graffitied. What is, I guess cops are just getting getting out of their cars and people are just taking advantage of it. Is that what's happening? Um, But uh, I've never seen that in New York before. And I've never been that close to like that true intense hostility and like for a few blocks there's there's the graffiti acab yeah everywhere yeah all, all cops are bastards yep um which was new to me as well really yeah yeah is that like been around like, for a while yeah it's like an old it's like an old punk thing all right yeah um so yeah it's been a it's been a very tense tense weekend uh yeah. in new york city <laughs> yeah um i don't know i feel conflicted part of me feels like I can't just like sit home and hang out and like have brunch. Yeah. Um, feels like I should be participating or seeing what's happening or I don't know. I feel like if it's happening, especially in my neighborhood, I have to go. I don't know if I want to get involved. I'm not looking to scream in a cop's face. Yeah. Uh, am I. <laughs> not looking to get maced. Yeah. Uh, but I also like just standing by with my hands in my pockets feels too passive too. I don't yeah. know. I, um, I mean, I've, I've donated money. My wife has donated money. Yeah, same. Um, I encourage everybody who's listening to like donate to your local bail funds and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, I, I feel really, really conflicted about how to be involved because I do not want any part of the violence. Yeah. I don't want to perpetuate the violence and I certainly don't want to be on the receiving end of the violence. Is that flag at half staff? Yeah, they've been at uh, half staff for a while. I think because huh. of the coronavirus. Oh, I see. Um, uh, you can see uh, Spike Lee's office from from one of these windows, and he has he has like a black and white American flag upside down on the pole above. Huh. But that's been there for a little while too. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, it's it's um, like we were walking down the street yesterday, just walking, not involved in any sort of like protest or anything like that. And there's just this, uh, like static in the air. Yeah. Like, like there is a, an uncomfortable energy and you know, like like we were saying, somebody started like laying on the horn, beeping at somebody at an intersection. And it was like, it, like even, even that little like spark of like, yeah. Of energy like yep. so, like of, of like anger or frustration it's like fuck man yeah, yeah, yeah. hey can we <laughs> lay off the horn this weekend you know like shit is really kind of tense right now <laughs> um i keep thinking well two things um one what would happen if the cops didn't show up like i don't think i don't think there would be as much violence if the cops weren't there because the cops are providing something to react to. Yeah. And if they didn't show up and like push against the protesters, yeah. the protesters would just be protesting in the streets. That's what it feels like. And so just get the fuck out of the way for a couple of days. Yeah. And let the people like have their march and like let their voices be heard. And then you wouldn't have to like fight the people and like look worse every fucking day. Yeah. 
something tells me they're not thinking about it like yeah, that. Yeah, of course not. <laughs> um, yeah. But, it, but that's the thing. Like, there's this mentality of we have to, like, control these people yeah. or we have to resist them. And why? Yeah. Man, I, I'm really struggling to, like, figure out what is useful for me to even talk about, I yeah, guess. Right, like, yeah, same. Like, you know, I grew up in in a small town where like, you know, everybody got hassled by the cops because it was like, it's all fucking jocks and people who couldn't hack it at community college. That's what they went on to do. And like, so I've had like a healthy disdain for police pretty much my entire life. Um, that like at the beginning started as just sort of reactionary, like why are they always fucking with us kind of Mm -hmm. feeling? But also as I've gotten older and have had time to think about it, I do have a pretty like fundamental, moral opposition to someone taking the role of like, um, like enforcement enforcer. Yes. Um, like I simultaneously understand the need for law and order. Um, but for, I don't believe in someone selecting themselves as the arbiter of that. Sure. Um, I have a purely moral and ethical problem with that. Yeah. Um, so like my general position is like, if you, self-select to be a police officer. I personally think there should be a random lottery that you are forced. If you are picked, you are forced to be a police officer in your community for a period of time. Yeah. I suppose that idea. And like, you'd probably have a lot more because it gets the same idea that people can police themselves. Yeah. The community can manage itself. Yes. If you let it there, it shouldn't be like this. My feeling is that it shouldn't be this like oppositional relationship. Right. And like, you know, I know people who are police and I wouldn't have picked them to be cops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's just scary to me that um, we're like these people who do not seem particularly uh, well tempered or well trained are in this position to like fucking dominate the other people in their community yep. like here here's what i think and maybe this is a scandalous point of view but i think that if you um uh you know how like you're supposed to respect people in uniform mm-hmm. i think that if you put that uniform on you should start at zero respect sure every day it should reset to zero the moment you put that uniform on and it is your job the guy in the uniform to earn my respect absolutely and you should work very hard each day to earn my respect. And the next morning we'll start back at zero. Yep. And I think that that's your, that should be the relationship to the community that you are trying to protect and, and, uh, support and like, uh, help, help. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not supposed to be help, not punish. <laughs> yeah. You should be protecting, not punish and attack and harass. Yeah. Um, anyway, I'm just a white dude on my soapbox and I realize that and I realize how grating and awful that is. So I, you know, growing up kind of like, we weren't poor, but we were sort of like just on the edge of, uh, edge of it all the time growing up. Like we, like any kind of, any kind of problem came up. We sort of usually didn't have the money to fix it or 
how to find a way to sort of scrape some money together to, to fix a problem or whatever. You're the kind whatever. of poor person that when the TV breaks, you just put another smaller TV on yeah, top kind of, of it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, poor where like you play the lottery every day as if it's like your escape plan. Yeah. It's, it's your trust fund. Yeah. Um, you know, and the, and the handful of times it works out, you, it renews your trust in that system. Um, or your faith in it rather. And, uh, so anyway, like with that mentality of like this low key hum of, of struggling all the time yeah, and tension in the house, I, my, my biggest fear and motivator, like going to college and like kind of coming up was this just being able to take care of myself and support myself. Yeah. And I had this deep fear of ending up poor and ending up like homeless or living in my car. I, I know that it was kind of irrational, but I was sort of just like, always there a little bit yeah like i wasn't really worried about being homeless but like just i know what it's like to not have money to do things and that like what how restricting that is and how limiting that is on your life yeah and that is intensely intensely stressful and intensely like mentally grating and depressing at all times at yeah. all times everything yeah. you do every decision you make and so that is just something i just really wanted to not feel anymore um and I always thought to myself, if I can't get a job doing the thing that I'm trying to do, I could be a cop because they're always hiring. Yeah. And like, that's like an, an emergency backup plan. I always thought they always need police. Yeah. I do not feel that way anymore. <laughs> like I'll do almost anything. Yeah. But it was just sort of like a job that I could, knew I could get and I could probably handle it. I would hate it, but I could probably do it. Yeah. I, I don't know if I ever, I mean, I definitely never thought that way. Um, I mean, about being a cop, yeah. I, I would never do that. Yeah. In fact, as I was growing up, like, you know, as we're getting older and, and, you know, transitioning from high school to college age and stuff like that. And people start like heading off into their careers. The people that I grew up with who became cops, when they became cops, I was like, you're what? <laughs> I thought our whole deal was yeah, not yeah. being cops. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. So I never, I never thought about that. But um, it's, it's an. It was always like in the back of my mind is like this emergency plan. If I can't do anything else, if I have no money, if I'm struggling intensely, and and uh, there's no other way to get by, that's my backup plan. Yeah. You know, at the same time, the cops who I do know, they are nice to me. Um, and, uh, and I genuinely believe that they are, uh, well, at least one cop I know is a nice guy. Um, and I, I actually had a conversation with, I hung out with him maybe like two summers ago. I don't know. I had a barbecue and he, he came over and, uh, I think he actually quit being a cop because it was too stressful and he yeah. hated the like constant violent dynamic of it. Yeah. Cause he's sort of like a sweetheart guy. Um, but he was talking about like the crazy violent situations that he would get himself into on like a Friday night at three o'clock in the morning when he'd have to go knock on the door of like an illegal after hours club and yeah. walk in and be like, Hey, can everybody get out of here? Ugh. And, it, and he, he'd be like, I'd say, Hey, can you get out of here? And somebody would slam me against the wall. And my first thought would be like, why are you doing this? <laughs> like why? And he was like, I understand that like there is this established dynamic where like there's fear and aggression yeah. and all these things. And he was like, the moment they see me instead of being like, okay, party's over. We got to get the fuck out of here. It's like, 
there is this spark of violence yeah. and like the unfortunate thing is like none of these things exist in a vacuum, you know, like, mm-hmm. like everything that's popping off right now is obviously the result of decades and decades and decades of, well, that's what I was going to say. Like my other thought is what did you expect to happen? Mm-hmm. Like, especially after the last four years, what did you think was going to happen? Yeah. And if Trump gets elected, I think things are going to get extremely, extremely bad. Yeah. Extremely bad. Cause he'll have no checks on his power anymore. Yeah. And then it's just, we're fucked. I, I, I've been having a lot of trouble kind of, um, like figuring out how to navigate the nonstop wave of negativity every day. Yep. I probably like most people wake up. And the first thing I do is I grab my phone off the nightstand. I don't even get out of bed before I start just using this little device to beam just this shit into my face. Yeah, I'm the same way. And it's like, I wake up and the president's already been tweeting for six hours by the time <laughs> I wake up. And, and like, I'm just like, how, how do we all get a break from this nightmare reality? Yeah. And it's, it's like, I don't know. I like, I, fucking you know joe biden wants to return to the status quo and like that's our savior fucking joe biden yo dog the status quo wasn't that great for a lot of people so i don't think that that is the drum that you should be banging (laughs) you know like oh my god i i it's just the daily dose of this is so and i'm not talking about the protests of this weekend and, 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 you know, the like obviously racist police brutality that, that happened in this past week, but like just the man every day has been like a fucking kick in the balls since Trump was elected. Right. And the frustrating part is there's this constant, we've talked about this before, but there's this constant narrative of two different realities that you're debating with. And so when you're trying to like, come to the other side or, or try to engage with the other side and like have some reasonable dialogue. It's just, you're not even speaking the same language. Right. And before at least you could sort of like agree that there's like one thing that we're trying to do in different ways of doing it. Yeah. Now it's just two totally different fucking worlds. And anybody who doesn't agree with him is a fucking is now his enemy is being attacked. And it has to hit a point where like, how can you, how can his supporters really just say, yes, this is still fine. This is still okay. It's because he's winning. And so they support that. They I don't, don't know if he is though. Uh, I think to them he is like in the culture war of just like not giving in of just like, I mean, I've said this to you a million times. I've said this to so many people who are like, how can people still support him? They don't like him. They don't care about him at all. They just hate you. Yeah, right. Yeah. They hate us. And he keeps pushing the narrative of we hate you. And yeah, he is yes. he is merely the avatar for yes. that hatred. If he were to fucking die or fall out of office or uh, whatever, and yeah. somebody would replace him, he would be 
a distant memory that people would joke about the things that he did and uh, even his supporters, yeah. they would be like, oh, that crazy Trump. Yeah. But they would be <laughs> so behind whoever the next guy is who like channels that same validation of their righteousness and their rage. And it, well, it, it shows in the way he talks that because he doesn't speak about unification or the country as a whole. He speaks about like, Hey, these cities are fucked because they're run by Democrats and fuck them. Yeah. And so it, there's specifically targeting against his own people and against his own country. They don't think of they. he doesn't think of them as his people. Exactly. And, and his supporters don't think of them as like fellow countrymen. Exactly. They're the enemy. Right. And so that, like that to me is, I mean, in my lifetime, the strongest narrative that device has divisiveness has ever been. Yeah. Um, you're listening to Frank and Eric, a comedy podcast, <laughs> <laughs> a comedy self-help podcast. I, I've been thinking about this phrase a lot recently, and that is, um, a bad faith argument. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, you, you hear that a lot, yep. uh, but like, I haven't really started thinking about it until very recently. And like, I feel like it's obviously impossible for anyone to like make progress in terms of like communicating with the other side or, or attempting to find some common ground or agreement. If everything is a bad faith argument, right? If, if we can't agree on like on, on the foundations of reality, exactly. Then how are we, how are we going to have any, how can anything resonate like in the same way for each other? You know what I mean? And, and like, of course, my feeling as someone who is liberal is that people on the right refuse to engage in a, a, um, you know, good faith argument. And, and so they will not like, they will just twist their reality or, or break logic to serve their own means. But I'm sure that they see me the same way. Sure. And, and like, I don't know. I just don't know what to do. I, I have people in my family who've been sucked up by the fucking, MAGA brainwashing and you know thank god it hasn't been many of them but like they're there yeah and i talk to the other members of my family and they're basically it's we talk about them like they're dead (laughs) we're like hey remember how cool so-and-so used to be it's a really a shame yeah it's 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 the same way we talk about like a cool uncle who who is dead now (laughs) like yeah he's never coming back that's yeah yeah we're no longer friends now it's it's brutal yeah something that that has given me comfort over the couple last couple months is i read this quote i read it from dan savage but i think he's quoting someone else just the the idea that one day we we will read your obituary oh yeah that that has brought me a lot of comfort (laughs) yeah um (laughs) the idea that i'll read trump's obituary one day yeah probably soon very soon i hope presumably soon i mean he's he's old and out of shape and like he eats like shit yeah. He has a horrible diet. Like he, yeah. He has to die soon. Yeah. Uh, you know, there are, um, there's more like palatable ways of putting it, I guess like this too shall pass, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, every, no every annoying person or every unbelievably terrible person, you know, will die someday. <laughs> so you can comfort yourself with that. Sure. <laughs> but I, I get excited about the idea that I know I'll be alive when he dies and I'll get to read those obituary. That, that comforts me. Yeah. I, speaking of death, 
I find myself uh, thinking about death all the time. Uh-huh. That is one of the, um, that's the flavor of my anxiety, I yeah. guess. Uh, that's yeah. how I would describe it. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people suffer from anxiety and it takes various forms and sure. whatever. Mine is existential. Mine is very specifically pinned to my own mortality. Mm-hmm. And uh, I often think, look, I'm, I'm pushing 40. Mm-hmm. realistically given my size you know big dogs don't live as long uh my lifestyle yeah um my family history i'm on the back nine baby uh, okay sure so i'm already counting down like <laughs> and every day i think about that and i think you know when i see somebody doing something terrible uh-huh this well this could go one of two ways but when I see somebody doing something terrible or somebody who, you know, like when I see an alt-right person like cloaking themselves in ironic imagery and carrying an M16 because they just want to start a race war. Yeah. You're I like, think YOLO. I'm like, you know, you're not going to be here forever. Is that really how you want to spend your time? Y- yes. That guy? Yes. That's horrible. <laughs> yeah, no. It's utterly horrifying. That guy operates on a world of rage and hate. I, I know. I and and I I understand that. I understand that there are people who are radicalized in one way or another and and I I, I guess I'm thinking about this because I was listening to a podcast this morning where the this very compassionate guy was like giving this doing this sort of like I don't know, this monologue for like, uh, like arguing for humanity and empathy. And, mm-hmm. and I was like, you know, on one hand, this is touching and I completely agree mm-hmm. with everything he's saying, but there are people for whom this does not resonate. Yeah, of course. Like this will not reach them because that is not what excites them and makes them happy. Destruction makes mm-hmm. them happy. Mm-hmm. And like, that is crazy. <laughs> You know, like yeah. when I'm, when I'm bored and I'm doing nothing, I like sit around and like, I'll daydream. And I'm like, in my daydreams, I'm doing like sick wheelies on dirt bikes or something. <laughs> right. Like for, for instance, right. <laughs> or like maybe That's I'm adorable. I'm doing a sick wheelie. You're basically 12 in your mind. Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing a sick wheelie. And like a bunch of people who didn't think I could do the sick wheelie are like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> or, or like, as you're, you're like inside your mind, it's like an eighties teenage rom-com. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, or, or like, you know, you know, just, just, I, I feel like the things that occupy my mind in my idle hours are generally like positive. Yeah. Right. Sure. Like, like the things that you think about doing and I often have a daydream about singing in a hardcore band. It's also positive all the time. Yeah. But it also just means that I, I daydream about screaming at people. True. <laughs> but you're also being a, like a rock star while you're doing it. Yeah. I'm having a great time. Yeah. And everyone like, loves it. I've, I'll daydream about, I don't know, playing the saxophone in the Doobie Brothers. Right. <laughs> and. <laughs> <laughs> but, but what I'm saying Fully is that erect. like, like in these, these moments of these idle moments where you kind of like aspire or think about like a fantasy world. Yeah. yeah. Like what does the guy carrying the M 16 
and like, you know, pretending to be a, a, a militia person or pretending to be like a hero. They think of themselves as a hero yeah, or someone that matters. So do you think that like, I'm not saying, you know, the answer to this, this yeah. is my, I'm, this might be rhetorical, but like, yeah. do you think that person has this self image that like in their idle moments in their like silly fantasy daydreaming, instead of like popping wheelies, they're like, they're like fucking like rainbow sixing their way out of a situation. And everybody's like, <laughs> pretty much dude, that was sick. Yeah. They live in an action movie. You don't think that they're like, cause it sure seems like they're fantasizing about murder. Right. <laughs> right. But they're, yes. But you know, I was watching this movie last night, Randy, Randy Davis or something. It's this guy who's like an old jazz pianist who goes around and tries to like make friends with KKK members. Uh, I've heard of that guy. Yeah. yeah I watched that movie last night. I have a lot of feelings about it. Is it a documentary. Yeah. Okay. And, um, and, you know, he interviews all these guys, all these white supremacists, and these guys, there's, there's this narrative of, like, yes, we want to, like, have a separation. They want a white, white nation. Uh, they want to, like, separate the races, et cetera. They also want to think Jews are controlling the world. Um, and so there's a lot of hate and anger, but I also think they, there's this, like, glory idea, too. And there's right. like purity and glory to their, to their ideas that like, yes, it's hateful, but also like we are going to be so proud of ourselves when we do this. And there's this like this American hero idea to it. We're like, we're going to be safe. We're saving our race. And we're like, we're proud to be white. And because there is absolutely no other avenue available to me in my existence to find a source of pride, this is the one I will go down. Nailed it. Or they get affirmation from other white nationalists to be that horrible person. I don't so it feels under, good to do it. I don't understand being proud of things that you have no control over. Mm. Good point. Like, I, I didn't choose to be a tall white guy with a very strong jaw. <laughs> okay? <laughs> uh-huh. And, you know... Uh, Go on. And smoldering eyes and... Uh-huh. Um, just a total beefcake. I didn't. I didn't choose to be a beefcake. Yeah, <laughs> Frank and Eric, we didn't choose this beefcake life. <laughs> no, but, self-help uh, comedy podcast. Okay, I'm just <laughs> fucking joking. Okay, I'm just kidding. But the, the so don't fucking freak out. Okay. I, Frank I'm, and Eric I'm, at gmail.com. I'm obviously a nice guy. <laughs> But I, I don't understand like like the people who who are like I mean obviously I don't understand the fucking like white pride thing because that that also has like that is prepackaged with hate. Yeah. But I don't understand people who are like proud to be American. <laughs> yeah. Like what? <laughs> Have you been other places? Because it's fucking sick other places. <laughs> That's why we travel. I'm not saying it's like I'm not saying it's terrible here, but it's not terrible in a lot of other places. I uh, I don't relate at all to the idea of being proud to be American. I don't like I don't get pride. it. I, I'm not like anti-American by any means. No, but I also just like I never feel drawn to it. Yeah, like, like hanging up an American flag makes me uncomfortable. I mean, I I guess I, also we just don't associate with sort of like that has like an authoritarian idea to it. And yeah. like uh, being a part of this large group, which I don't think either one of us is drawn to. Yeah. 
what I like, I was just going to say, what do you get out of, out of that? But is, is it, is it like, is it like a source of pride that you don't have to work for? Is that what it is? Hmm. Identity, I guess. Like, like when that, that, so when they were, you know, arguing about the, about locking shit down and ending the lockdowns for the coronavirus and that, crazy fuck in texas was like saying how we should be proud to die for the economy or whatever <laughs> fucking dipshit let, let, let me tell you something not only would i not die for the economy <laughs> i wouldn't even slightly inconvenience myself yeah, for the economy seriously fuck all that yeah if it ruins a bunch of billionaires i don't give a shit yeah i will fucking eat jeff bezos <laughs> i i don't i mean I feel for the guy who like can't work right now, but yes. of course, yes. of course. And like, I really hope that, uh, I hope that, um, we're able to like return to some type of normality so that people who need to work and haven't been getting money and everything because their government that is supposed to represent them hasn't been helping sure, them. Right. I hope that those people, I hope we find a quick end to this terrible situation for those people. But the idea that you should risk your own life for like the market sacrifice your life. Fuck that. Yeah. Bernie 2020. Um, fucking God. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was saying before, what did you think was going to happen? Um, when you treat people like shit and give them no options and make them struggle forever in their entire lives and kill them. Weird. Weird. They're upset. That's, yeah. that's that sucks. Um, anyway, uh, so we have some jokes that we wrote <laughs> that we're going to get into in a bit. We have a tight five. Um, we were this episode, honest to God, was going to be uh, about summer. We're going to review summer, yeah, and like a top three summer playlist. Yeah, we wanted to like really celebrate summer, <laughs> but I'll tell you what, man. This summer is shaping up to be a shitty one. <laughs> it's going to be a real doozy. Yeah, because now instead of summer being like super fun, it's just everything sucks and now it's hot too. And there are cars burning. There's a car on fire. Jesus so it's Christ. extra hot. <laughs> Fuck. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Does it make you want to leave New York more? Uh... I'm I'm torn. Like yeah. I I feel. Um, I mean, obviously, we we are uh, buying a property upstate, so we're going to have a place to go up there. But yeah. the in, our our intention is to like maintain the city as our primary residence, um, and have that as like a place we can go, and our friends can go uh, on the weekends. And, yeah, and all that shit. But like, man, I am really looking forward to. Uh, having a little breathing room yeah. and uh but i also feel like if i wasn't here i would hate i would hate it hey hey what like not being able to see what's happening and not being able to like true my curiosity would get the best of me there is like fomo <laughs> yeah protest uh, fomo car on burning cop car fomo you know i was thinking like uh <laughs> getting maced FOMO like most areas of the Catskills are 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 red like the counties up there and I was thinking like I 
maybe I should make that my primary residence so that I can go up there and fucking vote for all the Democrats and like, and, and be the liberal asshole who's there all the time. You know, like maybe my presence would be helpful in that sense. Probably not seen as helpful, but, (laughs) but aren't there a lot of New Yorkers moving to that area? Is it still red? It, yeah, it's, it's still red, but I mean, uh, I think like once you get up to like, uh, like the Albany area and stuff, that's all red. Right. Albany right. itself is blue, I think. Right. But the surrounding areas, like, I don't know how much time you spent upstate, but like kind of like a core signifier of the whole identity of being upstate is not being from the city. Sure. Um, sure, sure. But, uh, but yeah, we, I was talking to uh, an electrician the other day about doing an inspection and he was like, Oh, are you moving up here? And I was like, yeah, pretty much. And he was like, Oh man, everybody from the city's moving up here. Yep. And uh, there was that article in Gothamist, or was it, might've been the times, but they said, uh, like some Hudson Valley realtor said that, um, properties that get listed upstate, like especially along the Hudson right now are being purchased within hours of being listed yeah. in cash by people who've only seen them, seen them in a video walkthrough. It's fucking nuts. That is an, an amazing opportunity for somebody who, who builds extremely detailed miniatures. <laughs> <laughs> an amazing opportunity for you. Um, excuse me. So you wouldn't, when do you plan on moving up there or is, or when is it available to you? Uh, well, we're still going through like the whole process of buying it. Yeah. Um, which I've never done before and apparently takes a very long time. Yep. Um, but our lease is up here September 1st. Okay. And so, uh, because I don't have a real job and my wife works remotely, um, we're, we're probably going to like let the lease expire here and just sure. hang out up there for the remainder of the year. We'll probably go there before that though, right? Yeah. I think there'll be like a lot of back and forth before yeah, yeah, then. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, um, but yeah, I think, after that, we'll be there for the rest of the year, and then um, in January, start looking for a place in the city again because yeah. it'll presumably be getting back to normal. But who knows what kind of plague will erupt then? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this time last week, uh, we were trying to celebrate the uh, anniversary of Man Memorial's Man Memorial Six. Oh, and boy, did we celebrate! We had a great time. Um, yeah. Well, some of us did. We went to Prospect Park. It's a big. <laughs> this big green lush park with uh-huh. lots of trails uh-huh. in brooklyn and uh we met at 11 a.m yes we met at like a kind of a former cruising site a very yeah it was a very punctual outing we were yes. all there and ready yes. um and so we ate some mushrooms uh-huh went for a walk the magic variety i had a pretty good time yeah they weren't like portobello um <laughs> Um, they were stuffed mushroom caps. Uh, <laughs> I had a big tray of them. Delicious. Um, yeah. Uh, I think we all had pretty different experiences. I think everyone, everyone was like having a harder trip than I was. I had, I a, felt fine. I had, um, you remember, uh, you remember when I had that really bad salvia trip? Yes. Years ago. Yeah. And I went to the dark place. Yeah. Like I, I went to oblivion. Yeah. Last week. But that was very short though, right? Yeah. It only lasts like, well, in reality, it lasts like 30 to 45 seconds or something. Yeah. But when you're there, 
it lasts a lifetime. <laughs> you don't, time is not a thing when sure. you're, when, sure. when you're completely dissociated and floating in the abyss. Yeah. Um, so that was a traumatizing experience and place to be. Um, last week I did not go to that place, but I went to its doorstep mm, and I, re- I remember thinking that while I was Whoa. high, I was like, this is starting to feel familiar. Oh no. Yeah. Um, no, I felt pretty good the whole time. I think because our stimulation was like very consistent throughout the whole day, there wasn't like enough variety to feel, to have like different experiences. Like when I looked at things close up, it was more intense, but we kept walking. So like everything was like at a long perspective. Yeah. And I think everyone else felt crazier than I did. I don't know. I, I, mean, I mean, I enjoyed it. There was a moment where I was like sitting on the ground, looking down at my feet and like really got sucked into like looking at the ground. Yeah. And then looked up and thought all you guys would be gone. Like thought I was like now in a different world. And I was like kind of surprised to see everybody. I was like, oh, you're still here. Yeah. There was one point where I, we were walking on these trails in Prospect Park and I, I said, wow, I was just thinking, I am really glad that I'm not higher than I am right now. Uh Uh-huh. And when I said that, the roller coaster wasn't even halfway up the first hill, okay? <laughs> and I was acting like, hey, no problem. I yeah. made it. But yeah. oh, holy shit. Huh. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess I had a different, yeah, different experience. Maybe I didn't take as much as everybody else. Did you eat before? I had a small breakfast. Yeah. Um, and Duncan seemed quite high. At one point, Duncan said, like a guy was walking by us and Duncan said, I thought that was me. Yeah. And I said, which, which part? And he didn't <laughs> respond, but he thought he saw himself. Yeah. Um, that's, that's some intense hallucination. Yeah. When he said that, I started to feel that a little bit um, because we were walking on this one trail. You remember when we were walking along that chain link fence for a while? Mm-hmm. Like the fence was on the left side of us yeah. and there's a stream there. Um, we were walking and I couldn't look at the fence because every time I did, it was like looking at a magic eye yeah, yeah. painting. I was like, fuck. Yeah. And so I'm like staring forward. And this was after Duncan said that, you know, that thing about like, I thought that was me. Yeah. And this guy came around the bend and it looked, the guy looked very similar to Chad. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh no. <laughs> oh shit. There's doubles out here. <laughs> There's two Chads. <laughs> There's two Chads. Chad was being so chatty. Yeah. And it was like, I kept waiting for him to just whip that baseball at my face or, <laughs> or knock a tree over and hit me with it or like, yeah. Um, yeah. And then we sort of like laid in the park and watched some very muscular guys play volleyball. And that was great. So, every, so like everybody in, I don't know if you noticed this, everybody in the park was so hot. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. There was a very attractive woman sitting on the towel. That's sort of all I noticed. I was, you guys were playing catch, yeah. which I don't, I, I was like watching you guys for a little bit. And I was like, I don't know how I could possibly like control my hand enough <laughs> to catch a ball. Right. I would stand there and just get cracked in the face with the ball. <laughs> that would be it. But I was, I was like laying under this tree and it was Memorial Day, so it was just like getting increasingly crowded. Yeah. And I was looking around, and this was before I shaved my mustache. And I was walking around, 
pouring sweat. I had this mustache that just made me look like an absolute pervert. Yeah. And, and I'm like all pale and fat and gross. You're not, not feeling hot. I am not feeling hot. What I'm feeling is really disgusting and extremely high on mushrooms. (laughs) Okay. Um, Shit just went from zero to 100 real fucking quick. Where is that from? I don't know. I just found a video of a guy doing mushrooms on on YouTube. Um, That explains your experience a little bit more. Yeah. So as well, first I got super paranoid in the woods yeah, because we're walking around and like, this is not an exaggeration, but the woods in Prospect Park, it's essentially a homeless camp back there. Yeah. Like yeah, it is. there's like permanent campsites set up and you're just strolling around looking at that. And it occurred to me, like, I'm sure you had this experience too, but like we would be walking along and I'd be like, wow, we're alone. And then I would turn to the left and there'd be a person standing right there or like, or like a kid hanging like upside down from a tree branch looking at me like, Hey, and I'm like, um, and, and so like I, it started to mess with me that like, I realized I wasn't super aware of what was going on around yeah. me. And then there was one point where a guy was walking by himself and I don't know why that freaked me out so much. Like we were in the, in a pretty kind of like secluded back trail of the park Yeah. and he walked past and made direct eye contact with me. And I was like, ah, <laughs> it suddenly occurred to me that if that guy wanted to pull a U-turn and punch me in the face, mug me, do whatever. But why would that happen though? I don't know, Frank, I was high on mushrooms, but also like, I, I was like, Oh, we're in New York in, in, in the woods, presumably filled with homeless people. Like, and I am visibly high. Yeah. Why wouldn't somebody just come over and like sh- push me over onto the ground and pull my wallet out of my pants and run away? That, that's a pretty easy score. Well, cause you're with, with three other guys. Right. And I was, so I was trying to talk myself yeah. down. I was like, yeah. I'm in a group of, yeah. of, you know, th- with three other guys, three enforcers. Yeah. You're, but we're all like walking around giggling, like yeah, clearly yeah. out of our fucking gourds. Yeah. Like, and it just suddenly became a very like dangerous situation in my mind. Uh-huh. And then that's when I was thinking, okay, we should, we should get out to like the clearing where there's going to be a lot of people sitting around. And then we finally made it out there and I sat down and looked around. Everybody was so hot. Huh. Like the guys playing volleyball were like the sexiest dudes I've ever seen. Real, in real beefcakes. Life. Yeah. And they're all, they all had their tops popped. Yep. And I mean, just like 0% body fat. Yeah. Like just, just hot guys, hot guys doing hot <laughs> stuff in the sun. <laughs> and then, and then there's like, there's like all these groups of people <laughs> with their blankets spread out. And like, I don't know if you noticed this, but you know how, like when you're on mushrooms, you, I, maybe this is my own experience, but you, you kind of like laser focus on things for a while. Sure. Yeah. So if yeah. you're walking through a crowd, you don't really just, you don't hear the crowd. You like focus individually on like things yeah. that people are saying yes. and stuff. Well, I was having that experience with all the people in the park. Uh-huh. So I would like watch a group doing their thing on their blanket. And then I would get distracted by like another group over here and I'd watch them. And then I'd get distracted by the fucking beefcakes again. And just, I was sort of like my eyes were just roaming around and there were like, there was like this group of like total babes and they had like this beautiful, like charcuterie spread. Like they had, where was that off to our left? 
And they had like, they had this like beautiful picnic. It was like if somebody in a movie was having a picnic and I was like, I'm laying on the ground in the dirt with this mustache covered in sweat. Like, like, it sounds like the real problem was your mustache. You can't be high and have a mustache is the real problem. Definitely not. Cause, cause (laughs) I had the mask on my face too. Yeah. Yeah. And so like my mustache was just sopping wet all day. It was not a good scene under the mask. Yeah. And so I kept like pulling it down and then Duncan turned around and started laughing at one point. Cause he was like, man, you look so stupid with your mustache and your chin bra and yeah. like, <laughs> which I also thought was funny. But at the same time I was like, Oh man, we just arrived at this place where like everybody looks like they're on Baywatch and like, and I, I look like hell. Like I, yeah, I was afraid that people would think I was dead laying under the tree at one point because <laughs> I didn't have a blanket or anything. I was, I was using an empty beer can as a pillow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You lay there pretty, pretty stiff uh, for like maybe like a half an hour. Yeah. And I was looking at the tree branches and stuff and I was yeah. trying and, and at one point I was trying to like be healthy about it. I was like, these are just feelings that right. I don't have control over. I'm going to let them wash over me. I'm going to let them, I'm going to, I'm just going to let them go by. Like it's a stream, mm-hmm. you know, cause you read that, like if yeah, you're yeah. tripping, let things happen. It's just things come and go. And then I started to feel better, but then it would start to feel worse. And then, and then that person set up that swing on the tree behind me. And I was like, I'm out of here. This is, <laughs> this is too much, too much fun. Yeah. <laughs> too much fun is happening. Everyone feels too good. I can't handle it. I feel too bad for her. How good everyone else feels too much of an imbalance here. Yeah. No one else seems to be experiencing the shame that I'm experiencing right now. And that's alienating to me. Yeah, seriously. Um, no, I know, that, I know that feeling. I've been a kid who wore his shirt in the pool before. Yeah. Um, that's really what it came down to. Yeah. I was the kid wearing his t-shirt in the pool that day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, you don't have fun. You're trying to. Yeah. You try to put on a happy face in the pool with your shirt on. Yeah. But everyone's like, why you got your shirt on, dude? Just yeah, be cool. And, and like the water's sucking at it and your nipples yeah. are wearing and, raw. And, and, and you're, you're like, like, well, I feel bad about myself. <laughs> so I can't have fun. So I'm using this really inconspicuous camouflage. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's my way of like telegraphing how uncomfortable I am with myself. <laughs> So you feel awkward around me and I feel awkward. Yeah. I, I felt like the Memorial day picnic in the park equivalent yeah. of the kid with the t-shirt on in the yeah. pool. Yeah. And the kid, with the t-shirt on the pool is like never the fattest kid either. Cause the fattest kid is always like, fuck it. Owns it. I'm the fat kid. <laughs> That's my role. This is who I am. Yeah. It's always like the kid who's like a little chubby. Yeah. Who thinks he should be hotter and it's like not quite working for him. And he's like, Bleh. and Yeah. <sighs> Just yeah. dunks in with his like uh, his rancid T-shirt on and just like trying to have a good time. Yeah, oh, poor, poor bastard. <laughs> that's where that's where my that's where my mind went. Yeah, uh, that day. So yeah. yeah, for a long time, like as a kid, I had like a little pot belly too. So I just felt like a little like a little gross weirdo. I was always just like super skinny. Yeah, yeah. But you know that's not great either. Uh, yeah. people like to come at you for that too <laughs> lose lose i remember one time i was at the playground and this kid punched me in the chest uh-huh. like not super hard but he was just like boom like yeah. we, were, we were on the basketball court and i was like oh and like i had such little like meat on my body that it like i felt his knuckles like hit my breastbone <laughs> and i was like Ugh, uh. and he was like huh that's where other people have muscles 
Huh. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I'm going to go back home and watch TV now. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like you you came from like a rougher area than I did. I didn't, I didn't get punched that much as a kid. Ugh. I feel like my whole my whole youth was a gauntlet just trying to avoid getting punched. <laughs> um, so this is Frank and Eric's uh, comedy, yeah. positivity, self-help podcast. I think, we, I think we pretty much made everybody feel better. <laughs> <laughs> I think we summed things up. Um, so today is another nice, beautiful, sunny day in Brooklyn, yeah. and there are protests scheduled for, I think, 3 p.m.? Yeah, I don't know what time. Yeah. I will probably. Uh, I think I'm going to cruise over and see what's popping off. Yeah. Um, I don't know what I expect to find. Yeah. Um, or what I want to happen or see or hear or do. I, but, might, uh, I might go for a little while. Uh, yeah. Might might take a walk over with my wife just to, uh, you know, just to, at least if we're there for a while, it just sort of increases the numbers. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to be yelling, fuck you pigs at anybody. Yeah. But they might just uh, watch someone else do it. I'm just going to think it real hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they'll, they'll get the gist. Yeah. They'll see my face and they get it. <laughs> um, so I hope everyone else is being safe. Um, and I don't know what, what doing what you can. Yeah. I, I, if you have the means, uh, donate to uh, organizations that represent um, your values in your yeah. community. Oh, um, oh, uh, on that note, if your values are racist, don't do that. Don't donate. Yeah. <laughs> just, just don't do shit to stay home and don't log on to a computer and just, uh, yeah. Yeah. You should just, you should just take your money and, uh, hide it under a mattress somewhere yeah. so the government can't take it from you <laughs> or burn it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if your values align with mine, you should definitely donate your money uh, <laughs> to your local communities. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, I don't know what, to, what to say that would be uplifting. Um, privatized space travel made it to the space station yesterday. Could there be a more like ironic contrast, uh, to the world right now? Yeah, that's, uh, it's pretty crazy, but I did watch the launch. Honestly, pretty thrilling. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't know. Fuck those guys. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> Fuck them. Yeah. Do something better with your money. Yeah. I mean, you know, the billionaires see the the direction that the wind is blowing on this planet, so they need to find another one quick. Sure. Um. So yeah, hard to feel uh, enthusiastic about that right now. Yeah, I, I'm just trying to come up with something positive. I know. I'm sorry. Uh, oh, I have a I have a uh, a very good movie recommendation. It's called One Cut of the Dead. Okay. It is a uh, sort of a horror movie, but it's more like a uh, meta horror movie. Sure. Uh. I will, I will not say what it's about because any description of it would spoil it, but it is, it has a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh-huh. It's Japanese. So you got to read subtitles. Uh-huh. Sorry. <laughs> You're going to have to read for 80 minutes or however long it is. Um, wait, well, let's just do uh, let's do a top three, top three, uh, summer 2020 recommendations. Okay. Yeah. So, so, all right. We're going to do it. We're going to do a top three. All right. You, 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 are listening to Frank and Eric's. It's always so loud. You're going to feel strong pressure on the prostate gland from inside your rectum. Top three showdown. <laughs> I like that because I, I, I literally left the building while that was running. <laughs> I did some errands and yeah, came back. I went and uh, got, checked my mail. 
<laughs> Use the bathroom. Uh, um, so we're going to do top three. What do you what do you want to call these? Recommendations, Recommendations for, for summer? summer 2020. 2020. Summer 2020. Okay. Um, I've been watching a lot of French New Wave because, again, I subscribe to the Criterion Collection. Yeah. Did you realize that he's smart in class? <laughs> I'm a sophisticated individual. He has a wingback chair that he sits in and he wears like a... Um, do you wear like one of those blazers that I wear professors co- wear? No, I wear a kimono. Because <laughs> I uh, explore other cultures. Because it's hot in his apartment. Yeah. Uh, it's only, hot in my apartment. Only wears a kimono. That's my summer wear. My kimono. It's linen. <laughs> He, he wears a kimono, sits in a wingback chair, and gets really high on mushrooms yes. and watches... Watches uh, French New Wave. <laughs> so uh, I have been watching French New Wave recently, uh, just to sort of explore something else, you know? Yeah. Um, have you seen The Green Ray? No. Eric Romer? Romer? No. Um, it's also... It's in French, so there's going to be subtitles. Okay. So you're going to have to do a little work on that one. Um, it's about a woman who, uh, <laughs> who is about to go on vacation and her vacation pal, uh, cancels on her mm-hmm. and she's just lonely for the whole movie and sad and she doesn't know where to go or what to do, uh, and just cries every 30 minutes, which is not meant to be funny, but I find myself laughing throughout the movie. What? okay it's it's, it gets to a point of it's comical how much this woman's crying right not that you should laugh at women who are crying you know when a woman cries so much that you can't help but laugh (laughs) you know when you see a woman who's so lonely it's funny (laughs) um it's this movie. It's, it's right. this movie. Um, this, and this is for you. <laughs> <laughs> so she, she tries going on vacation with a couple of friends and she's not enjoying herself. And she tries going to this like mountain town and she leaves after a few hours. She's so bored. And then she tries going to this like beach town by herself. And there's a scene where she's like on the beach and it's crowded. It's like being at the Rockaways. She's crowded and it's hot and people are like having fun all around her in the water swimming and she's laying on the on a beach towel by herself, just this towel getting covered in sand. And all I can think is, this is fucking hell. This is my hell. Like being on a hot beach covered in sand yeah. is fucking hell for me. Um, and then she goes goes back to her room, cries a bit. She meets some other people, runs away from a couple of guys who are trying to hang out with her, um, and then meets some guy in a bus station. And that's the rest of the movie. Cries again. But yeah, that's my number one summer recommendation right now. Summer 2020. It's a a bit of escapism, but it's also like you maybe can relate to like the sadness and the loneliness and the crying in uh, quarantine. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it's two levels there. It's two points. Okay. Um, (laughs) If you're looking. It's also a summer movie. It's a a vacation movie, you know? Yeah. Sad on the beach. (laughs) (laughs) Sad on the beach. Uh, like I said, my my first recommendation is One Cut of the Dead. Uh, the only thing that I will say about it is the movie is not over at the 37-minute mark, okay. even though it feels like it is. That'd be a short movie. Yeah. Um, apparently, when it first screened <clears throat> at 37 minutes, uh, it appears to be over, and like people started leaving the theater. Mm-hmm. Uh it was made by students as their final project for uh, like a filmmaking class. And it was made for $25,000. Cool. It is 
possibly one uh like i can't remember the last time i watched a movie where like moment to moment i was so tickled by how clever it was and like my wife and i watched it the other night and we kept turning to each other and saying how do you even think to come up with this like yeah and and you're working on a budget of twenty five thousand dollars, and it's the first time any of these people have made anything hmm. because it's their final project for a class. You're like, holy shit! Uh, apparently, the first time it screened was at a film festival, or, or it screened. It wasn't even a film festival. I think it was just like in a theater in a town of eight thousand people, hmm. and somebody there in Japan. Yeah, and somebody there who had a connection to a film festival in a larger city happened to see it. And was like, oh, you should, you should screen that here. And it, it, it's now made like $30 million and Hollywood is like trying to hire the guy who made it. And it's, it is like, I'm, when does it come out? uh, I want to say like within the last five years, Mm -hmm. maybe like, I I think it came out around like 2010, 2012, something like that. Um, uh, it's, it, I am personally really inspired when I see like something like when, like when I see a masterpiece that's created by an amateur or, uh, by somebody who's like working on a shoestring budget, mm-hmm. um, like that to me is really thrilling. Mm-hmm. And this, this, uh, this really scratched that itch for me. Yeah. And I, like, I, I would have believed if, if he said he spent $10 million on it, like yeah. it was just, it was just amazing Hmm. um my second recommendation for summer 2020 is a bit more simplistic um i enjoy the simple pleasures in life eric i don't know if you know this about me yeah i do i do kimonos foreign (laughs) films exactly hard-boiled eggs yeah uh simple man with simple pleasures um so i really enjoy uh my my jorts obviously i've been wearing these these cutoffs for maybe like five years now i i wore mine yesterday um but yeah, they're they're uh, they have a little hole in the back here. Ooh, yeah. that's, wow, that's big. Ooh, yes, that wow. is not a little hole. Okay, so there's a hole in my thigh here. Wow, that really. There's that really basically no shorts on the back of his shorts. <laughs> <laughs> so, my recommendation is put your on your favorite pair of shorts on a hot yeah. summer day. Go out to the park uh, and get yourself a nice tall ice cream cone, and just sit and enjoy your uh, like a long. Lick <laughs> a long lick of the ice cream cone yeah. in your jorts. If you want to be happier, if you want to feel the way I felt last <laughs> week, sitting under a tree on high on mushrooms, put on some really tight jorts, <laughs> go to your local park where everybody's having a good time yep. and sit by yourself and take a long, slow lick <laughs> on an ice cream cone and stare at everybody. Yeah. Um, I was doing that last, no, two weeks ago. And uh, sitting with a friend of mine, Indian style, or uh, cross-legged. That's cross-legged. That is uncool. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, my balls fell out. Apparently, yeah. So, okay. So I'm a guy eating ice cream in public with my balls exposed in the park. Yeah, <laughs> that's something. Um. So Megan's law is a thing, but yeah. What the hell does that have to do with <laughs> joke? You sitting with your balls out in the park. I'm, I'm making people uncomfortable, creeping people out. So. Oh yeah, yeah. You're doing a great job. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's number two. What's my number two? Yeah. Uh, 
Um, uh, These are that's a real big hole. I really thought it was much smaller. Oh no, it's your your pants are really coming apart. <laughs> You're gonna have to sew them up or something. Yeah, I wore my jorts yesterday when we went out. It was my inaugural 2020 jort reveal. Feels great, right? Um, they do not leave much to the imagination. No, sir. At this point, um, <laughs> why at this point did your did your crotch get um did your butt get bigger or I'm, something? Yeah, I'm at a point. Uh, <laughs> my jorts that were once baggy are no longer. I see. Let me tell you, whew, uh, everything just fucking squished and mashed. <laughs> are they comfortable? <clears throat> yeah. Mm. I mean, mostly. Yeah. Um, but you could see exactly which way it's hanging, if you know what I'm saying. Um, That's fun for everybody. Yeah. Probably bummed some people out with that. I bet I'm sure you did. Uh, what would I recommend? Um, wouldn't recommend a mustache. That was a no misfire. Um, uh, I'm, I'm having a hard time. Oh, these need to be summer recommendations. Yeah. Summer 22. <sighs> summer. Like what would make a bang in summer? A bang in bang in summer. Mm-hmm. Um, well you can't go swimming. Um, here's what I'll say. I recommend a hobby, not a specific hobby. Develop a new hobby this summer because you're, you're not going to be doing the stuff you want to be doing. No. So make this the summer make this a hobby summer where you have something to devote yourself to that is not like working from home or watching the news or scrolling on your Instagram, mm. just like do something, make miniatures and list them on Zillow as full size houses. That would be a, that would be yeah, a cool that's hobby. Something. Yeah. You can make so much Fuck money with people. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm going to say hobbies as mm-hmm. my, my number two. Okay. Um, so speaking of hobbies, why don't you make movies? You love making films. You love doing shit. Yeah. I would love to. I just, you Make know, little shorts. Can't really like do it yourself. Starring the crew. I would need starring Chad, I, and Duncan, and Will. I'd need to get the boys on board. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Make some little hobbyist films. Yeah, I would do that. Starring your wife. Maybe like a little three minute. Yeah, exactly. Little, little guy. Little short. Yeah. Maybe I will. Um, number three. Let's see. Uh, number three. Uh, so I, you know, like every morning, nine a.m. Uh, it's like off leash time. Before 9 a.m. Yeah. In, in Fort Green Park. Yeah. And I went the other day and I, uh, I went to try to go to the pharmacy for something and it was closed. And so I got a cup of coffee and a sandwich and ate it and like watched the dogs. It was, it was fun. Yeah. Um, so the next day I was running to the, to the Brooklyn Bridge and I run home and I was like, maybe I'll cruise by the park again and watch the dogs. Yeah. But I didn't have like anything to do with me. So I sat there watching the dogs like just by myself. Yeah. Felt real weird. Felt really kind of weird and strange. Yeah. That's like going to a playground because you like seeing the joy on kids' faces. Exactly. <laughs> and I was like, ugh. Like so covered are, in sweat. So are you recommending this? No, no. I'm just, I'm just, I'm actually not recommending that. I'm saying don't do this. Um, I don't, I don't know what's going to bring me joy this summer. I don't have anything in mind that's going to like um, get my mind off the world at large or what to do. Yeah. I'm sort of like doing the opposite and just hard dipping into it. I run every day. That's the only thing that's calms me down. Um, 
I I don't know. I don't know what to do to... I love the song Rock Lobster. I'll say that. That's your recommendation? Yeah. <laughs> I, love, <laughs> I love that bass line. Uh, it's a, like a 15-minute song. I think it's great. It's a bit of escapism. I mean, it'll, it's a, it's, that's a way to kill 15 minutes. There's, there's, <laughs> has a great music video. There's an excellent hardcore cover of it by the band Botch. Uh, if you want to do like some variations on the, on the song, Rock your, Lobster. Your love of Rock Lobster is the most perplexing thing about you. What? It I, doesn't fit into the... I don't know what anything else, what, what there is a bad about it, you know? To me, it's like liking Van Halen. Like where it's like a fun song, like a fun party song. Right, except that Van Halen totally rips, and and Rock Lobster and? is just this monotonous. That baseline just fucking rips. <laughs> that baseline fucks so hard. Listen, I okay, you heard it. You heard it here first, Frank and Eric. The B fifty twos. The Rock Lobster fucks so hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I stand by that. I, I'm going to recommend for my third recommendation. Well, so here's two things that um, have brought me joy recently. I'm not sure which I want to select as my official third recommendation. One is that I've been watching live Doobie Brothers concerts on YouTube. Okay. What's that about? I, I realized that what I miss um, I miss the era of music where um, like bands had a guy in the band who looked like he just got off work. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like loose tie kind of casual, exactly. business casual. Like everybody else in the band is like, like kind of like they're doing a rock star thing. Yeah. But there's always one guy like the most famous example of that is the drummer from cheap trick. Mm-hmm. Where like everybody else in the band was like pretty like rock starry, but the the drummer Bunny Carlos had a mustache and a loose tie, and like, he literally looked like he just got done working at like a car dealership, <laughs> and has a cigarette hanging out of his mouth the whole time. Like he looks like and he's going to his second job. Yeah, like he looks like your dad's friend who would come over and you'd be bummed out when you saw him. Like, <laughs> like he just got divorced. Yeah, and and the. <laughs> Everyone in the Doobie Brothers is that guy. Yeah. And that's what makes me uh, love music, them so much. I, I guess I'm not a Doobie Brothers fan, I guess. Yeah, it doesn't fuck quite like... <laughs> <laughs> the bass line in, in uh, Rock Lobster. Yeah. But I will say the B-52s kind of had like a similar style of dress. Like they sort of dressed like um, like they were in like a... Like they had started their own company. But like a fun company? I feel like the B-52s, in terms of style and aesthetic, to me, fit in the same world as like uh, Pee Wee Herman. Kind of, yeah. It's like... Uh, like you're kind of dressed up, but like wacky. Campy, but everything is kind of like uh, retro and yes. referencing a sort of like 1950s idealism or something. Yeah, kind of. Am I wrong about like that? Like a pop, but like a pop sensibility. Yeah, yeah, but like there, but like it's it's clearly rooted in a nostalgia, yeah, yeah, for a time that is a little foreign to me. Yeah, sh- sure, but it's not that kind of like Americanness though. It's not Americana really. Oh no, no, yeah. it's like yeah. it there it, it there is like a um like cynical eye. Yes, to it. yes, yes, yes. That's one of the things I love about Pee Wee Herman actually. Yeah, that like it is like uh 
a like it the whole thing is this like fucking voltron of nostalgia but yeah. it, but it's like it's like uh demented yes <clears throat> and i yeah i think the b52s are sort of like that um but the other thing that i was thinking about as a recommendation is uh writing a letter and sending it to somebody mm. i did that uh about a month ago i wrote a bunch of letters and sent them to people yeah and uh a few people wrote me back mm-hmm. and it was just great receiving something in the mail <laughs> And a few people didn't write me back, but like texted me or uh, emailed me and said like, man, I can't tell you how much I enjoyed getting your letter in the mailbox and actually reading it. And like, it just, it was a nice little escape from what's going on. Yeah. Why don't you do a little, a uh, little fanzine of letters? Um, like how of what letters? What do you mean how my own letters, your letters and the responses. Um, I don't think they're fanzine worthy. I mean, whatever. It's most, mostly me just talking about nothing. <laughs> you know what we should do? We should do a Frank and Eric like hangout. We should do a Frank and Eric hangout. Period. We're doing it right now. Yes. But <laughs> like, a, like a live stream hangout where yeah. people can like check in and we should play Hemingway. Ooh. Google hangout Hemingway. That's, that, that's, that's, vulnerable yeah <laughs> yeah that's point. uh hemingway if you don't know what it is it's a drinking game where it's my favorite drinking game you just get hammered and write for an hour basically you get six beers and one hour oh i didn't realize finish, there was a you have to finish the six beers within the hour and write a story at the same time yeah and then and then at Brilliant. the end of that everybody reads the story yes their story out loud and the best part about it is that like as you're reading the story you're now very drunk yes so you're trying to read a story it probably doesn't make much sense and your writing got real shitty at the end yeah so we played it at the last memorial yeah very fun yeah you really like tap into people's subconscious yes it's 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 a very revealing exercise i would say yeah yeah everyone kind of write wrote like kind of a party vibe for the most part i think you wrote like a pulp one Yours is kind of pulpy. Mine was attempting to be a, a time loop. A time loop. I don't remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, one guy got too drunk and couldn't read a story. That happens. Didn't he? I thought he read it and then fell asleep. Oh, did he? <laughs> <laughs> and he threw up too, I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good old Cade. Um, so yeah, uh, I highly recommend that game. Yeah, I want to um, remove my hobby recommendation. I think everybody should be doing hobbies, and I want to slide Hemingway into that <laughs> slot. Everybody should play Hemingway with their friends. Yeah, it's a great escapism game. Yes. It's a great way to bond with your friends. Yes. And it's a great way to get drunk fast and have fun. And be creative, and it, and because you're like doing it as a party game, yeah. it like, it, it really, you get to like shrug off any of the like, like, self-consciousness you you would normally have about like yeah doing something like that or reading it for memorial instead of shrooms yeah we should have done it on shrooms oh fuck no no way i don't even think i'd be able to put pen to paper absolutely not (laughs) like when i'm on shrooms too it's really hard for me to to like i have to think real hard about talking oh yeah me like too. I, That's I why I was about, quiet all day. Yeah, I, I think like, what about what I'm going to say for like a good five minutes before I say it. And then when you hear your voice coming out of your mouth, you're like, what, uh, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that's our episode, I guess. Yep. Um, I think we pretty much solved everybody's problems. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone feels better now. Um, 
Man, it's a real, real grim time. Ah! Yeah. Stay. Stay. <laughs> stay safe as possible, I guess. Yeah. Just, um, you know, uh, it's cheesy, but that's there's the Mr. Rogers quote that's just like, look for the people who are helping. Oh, you know? yeah. It's nice. Focus on them. Like, yeah. there's always going to be people doing bad stuff. There's always going to be chaos, but there are people in your community who are helping. There are ways for you to be one of those people. You can, uh, like I said, donate to your local co- uh, community organizations, uh, bail funds, things like that. Uh, you know, and just wear your fucking mask when you go out. Yeah. You know, the coronavirus is not over just because this is happening. Yeah. Don't be a piece of shit and say it doesn't affect you. Yeah. That is the definition of entitlement. I don't know why I'm getting preachy about this, but we're all affected. It sucks. And you know, let's just, uh, try to inch, inch progress forward a little bit and do what you can. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Stay positive. It's summer. (laughs) (laughs) It's summer. (laughs) Hey, it's summer. Uh, so call us if you, if you had things you want to express. Oh, we don't have a phone number anymore. Well, email us if you want yep. to talk. Yep. Uh, if you're feeling things, you don't know what to do with your feelings. Uh, if you want to share advice or guidance or have questions. Oh, we did get an email from a guy who uh, is uh, quarantining with, um, with his partner who he, he just met before the lockdown. And apparently he's, it's going great and he's really excited because she's super hot. Oh, good for him. Yeah. How did they meet? I don't know. He didn't give any details. He was like, I read, I saw the, the, like, you know, when you get an email and you see the little, uh, yeah, yeah. The, the preview, little, the preview. I was like, Oh, here we go. We're yeah. going to get a yeah. nice long story. And his email was about as long as the preview. And it just said, Hey, wanted to let you know, like how my coronavirus experience is going. I met this absolute smoke show of a babe and we're uh we're quarantining together and it rules yeah um (laughs) yeah i was talking to a friend of mine um recently i had a good friend who i went to like kind of grew up with playing sports with and um he for a long time just really wanted to be a cop he really like that was that was sort of his great ambition and he was a guy who like really sort of enjoyed like a like discipline and order. I think okay. he kind of grew up with a lot of chaos in his house. Okay. So I think it was a way of like comforting himself. I'm sort of speculating here, but that was sure. like my interpretation. Um, great guy. and like very like kind, but also like really appreciated sort of um, rules. Cracking structure. skulls? No, not cracking skulls. <laughs> know, no. Um, so he went to, to college for criminal justice and then got his graduate degree in criminal justice. Wow. Yeah. And I think... I don't know if this is true, but like, I don't really think the police value master's degrees in criminal justice. I would think not. I, I don't think they care. And so we had a hard time like getting into the police force. Yeah. Um, and now he's not. And I sort of asked him like, what was his point of view on? Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> what was his point of view on what he is, was aspiring to do and what he worked so hard to do for, for a number of years and, and how he feels now about everything that's happening and he basically said, like, you know, he's really glad he's not doing it. And he feels like there are good cops. And um, I mean, there's definitely good cops. Of course there are. Of course there are. Um, but uh, 
he sort of he feels like he dodged a bullet at least for a little bit mm. um um and feels like he doesn't love what he does now but it gives him a lot of flexibility and he doesn't think he'd have that also it's just so intensely mentally taxing and emotionally taxing to be a cop i'm sure um i mean suicide rate is extremely high um yeah i, I yeah i'm just sort of interested in like has has like sort of like point of view change for people and like people who would normally sort of like get in line with like authority and sort of like you know there are a lot of people who are like well they're the president and like he we does what he says and that that has changed for people over the past like couple of years yeah I don't know I'm sure it has but yeah I that that way of thinking is so foreign to me yeah same that I can't really speculate I'm so like against authority um yeah check me out i'm a rebel <laughs> yeah um anyway i was sort of going on a tangent there but. be safe uh wherever you are and whatever you're doing <clears throat> you know support the people around you who need it uh you know protect the people around you who need it by wearing a face mask by you know setting the example of wearing a mask don't touch your fucking face you don't want to get sick you don't want to get your fucking grandmother sick you know just 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 be cool what what i keep thinking about through all this even before these uh protests happened during the coronavirus is how poorly we take care of each other as a country yeah and that to me feels like so un-american yeah there's a lot of people who would say the opposite of that of course you know it's it's your right to do as you please, yeah, and it's yeah. Like, right, and so that doesn't mean I don't I don't have to take care of anybody else, yeah. But um, I, people have blinders on when it comes to things that, it, like, it, people operate with self interest, and that's not to yeah. say that they're operating selfishly, but like people just generally operate with self interest. That's how you stay alive, yeah, and like. You know, this reminds me of the conversation I had with my dad where he was like, I don't understand why I have to pay school taxes. And I was like, well, the reason you have to pay school taxes is because you live, you are part of of a community. And in that community, there are people who need to go to school and cannot afford to go to school if school were to be completely privatized. So the community absorbs that cost. And he was like, well, I don't have any kids that are in school. And I was like, so if, if you should only pay when yeah. your kids are going to school, you're talking about tuition. Yep. Like you're just talking about paying to go to private school. And this is coming from a guy who grew up in a house with no running water. And then when we were growing up, like we had nothing. He yeah. was working two jobs. My mom was working two jobs. Like the reason we got to go to school and he got to go to school is because of school taxes. Yes. But also, like, the people who go to school and get educated also help your community. I said that, too. I was, <laughs> and, and I was like, there are secondary benefits to paying for this. You're not just paying for, like, me as your child to go to school, but you're also paying for, like, the, the, the broad elevation of your community's education level. And if you have a more educated community, you're going to have people who are less inclined to result, you know, resort to crime. You're going to have like, you're, you're going to have a community that has more opportunities. And, yes. and he was just like, yeah, but why do I have to pay school taxes? <laughs> Sounds socialist. It's just right. <clears throat> yeah. Everybody's against socialism until they need help. Yep. 
Anyway, that was Frank and Eric, <laughs> the comedy self help podcast. Um, we'll be here as long as you need us. Yeah. Um, we're as we're at least as funny as a French New Wave movie where a woman keeps crying. <laughs> you watch that movie, I guarantee you'll laugh. Guarantee. Okay. <laughs> I believe you, and I will watch it. Okay. Uh, you know, everybody, just be safe and stay positive. <laughs>